Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use the promo code DNVR25 to get 25% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, we've got Rockies versus Padres here for the next couple of days. Also in the past, it feels like always, feels like the Rockies are always playing the Padres. But you know what? Uh, the good news for Rockies fans, at least this year, the bad news certainly for Padres fans is that it's been a very close series between these two teams. We'll dive into it. We'll get into a little bit of the history of some guys that have played for both teams talk about the fact that this club with very high aspirations just got no hit by a rookie in his very first game of major league baseball uh so, so we'll be able to dive into all of that for this rockies padres series but first of all patrick you know rockies back home chance to play spoiler chance to have some fun it's always it's always fun when you get to me- messing with the Brewers a couple of years ago was fun, but now we're getting into really meaningful games for this team that's that's trying to get it going here, and we'll obviously talk about this too with a twist. Fernando Tatis Jr. outfielder. The Padres are pests. They've been <laughs> pests for probably throughout the Rockies organization. I mean, D backs at time have been that. The Giants, big market team. They're, that's who they are. Dodgers, big market team. But it's really been the, the D-backs, you just kind of – you don't necessarily love to hate them, but they'll, they'll poke their head in there and they get to be a little bit bothersome. But I feel like the Padres have just always been these kind of pests. And now, yeah, the Rockies have definitely returned the favor. They got the first road uh, series win in San Diego right before the All-Star break. And – They've, they've been spoiler, uh, as you have kind of alluded to. And so it's nice that it's going down this way. And again, it's it's on the Rockies turf. It's at Coors Field. So that's always a benefit. And the Padres are hurting right now a little bit in the rotation department. So they're not going to have their best arms as you Darvish went on the IL on Sunday. So it's uh, it's strange to to think that this starting rotation, which was supposed to be so good and was put together and all these things there, man, they are really trying to piece it together and they're trying to piece together an outfield now too. As you said, Fernando Tatis Jr. immediately comes off the IL. He's starting in uh, right field on Sunday, he doubled in his first at bat. You expect nothing less. He's sure. back for the excitement. And I, and my initial instinct when they had suggested that was like, well, that, that seems crazy to happen since uh-huh. he's pretty good shortstop. But I also thought, you mm-hmm. know, this is what Bryce Harper kind of needed to do in his career. You know, he was playing a little more center field, but he was just too aggressive. He was just too much, and he needed to scale it back. And it took him a few seasons to figure that out. And while Tatis is only in his third season here now, this is really his his second full season he got hurt in 2019 – he ultimately needs to cool down a little bit. And what better than to stick him out in right field? It's sure. important, you know. Uh, yeah, right. That's that's actually a, a really interesting take on it. Uh, I talked to Troy Tulowitzki about this 
later in his career and and he had said that that's the one thing that he would you know we were and we were really focusing defensively we were really talking about how he's grown as a fielder we talked about shifting and how that changed over his career but he said you know if i could go back and tell myself first one two three years in the league like you don't have to go a hundred percent on every ball that's hit in your general vicinity that guy is safe you don't need to jump and air out your arm and and try to get him out. You did a nice job of getting the baseball, not letting it get into left field, but you, you know, eat the baseball or, or whatever. And there were times where he would get hurt diving for balls that would just glance off the end of his glove because he was going so hard after everything. And I actually on a, a radio broadcast earlier in the year, I'm not sure I said this on on our show, but I, I think I said this on on altitude where uh, it was right after he had just gotten hurt earlier in the season, the last time he went on the IL. And I said, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. has a whole lot of Troy Tulowitzki in him in a lot of ways. And that, you know, you hope he comes out on the, the brighter side of that, that he's had these injuries. You hope doesn't derail his career. So as much as I'm looking at it going, this is so truly bizarre from a competitive standpoint to take a, a defensive asset like Tatis Jr. and take him away from the most important defensive position on the diamond other than catcher, uh, which which makes you not as good defensively. But if it keeps him in the lineup, whatever you're losing there, you know, we're back to that baseball math of ultimately if you come out with more war because he's in the lineup playing a less important position, then you're better off. And so as long as he's not, and I can't be such a good athlete. I can't imagine, you know, we're going to get a, a close-up look at still the beginnings of it here, uh, that he's going to be a disaster out there. But bold, I, I I applaud boldness. I applaud creativity. You know, I, I think the Rockies have found an interesting and odd success that I'm not sure they were even expecting out of Garrett Hampson, center fielder. You know, there's a middle infield guy who, you know, speed, but still hadn't really played the outfield, not even much in the minors. And they were just like, well, let's see if we can figure it out. He's a good athlete with good baseball instincts. And, uh, you know, being able to move him back and forth has really benefited the Rockies. So I could see this paying off huge for Tatis, but I could also see it being, you know, one of those things where you're maybe messing too much with a good thing. It's risky, but it's that's part of being bold. Risk is always part of being bold. And I could see two scenarios playing out here in this, other than he just stays in, in right field uh, or maybe associated with that. One is that obviously if he does stay in right field, well, they've got a shortstop position that's opened up now. Granted, you know, they, they did sign, um, they did sign Ha Sung Kim uh, to that, I think it was about a four-year deal in this offseason. Yeah. So, you know, he certainly could plug in there. He's only 25 years old. So there's that. I think they've got Jake Cronenworth doing a little shortstop. That was his position when they had acquired him from Tampa Bay. But if he does stay in right field, now the Padres need a shortstop. And there are a lot of them available this offseason. So sure. could they go out and afford another $200 million ball player? I I mean, maybe. Why not? We'll see. Is it Trevor's story? That's crazy to think about that again. On Sunday, Tatis goes to right field just before they move to Colorado for a three-game set. 
and that sets about this domino effect and maybe Story and Tatis. We got a long way to go till we get there. But the other aspect of it that could be interesting is maybe this is just a way of saying, Fernando, you need to calm down. So we're going to actually take shortstop away from you, force you out into right field, uh, pitch away from left-handed batters, throw inside to right-handed hitters, and make sure you get no fly balls out there whatsoever so you're bored as heck. And then when we do plug you back in at shortstop, cool it down. Like basically, yeah, I mean, I it's like, the, yeah, it's not yeah. literal punishment, but it's a reminder like, you know what? Yeah. Scale it back just a little bit. And it's it's hard for that aggression because like you said with Tulowitzki, when you play like that for the entirety of your career and you have a young man's body when you're in your early teens, maybe even at 20, 21, 22, you can get away with certain things. But then it's crazy to think at 24, 25, you can't get away with certain things. But you can't. And Tula learned that. Tatis learned that. And so maybe this is a reminder or or a warning shot to say, look, we're not. You're not a permanent shortstop. You got to do some things first. Right. Yeah. And and honestly, you know, for his sake, I, I really hope that that it works out for him and that this isn't one of those things where it, it really does, you know, kind of you mess with guys. You, you you never know. And you know, I, I I know there are a lot of people like to say, well, like something like that shouldn't didn't mess you up. We used to talk about this a lot back in, you know, 17 and 18 when there was conversation about moving Charlie Blackman out of the leadoff spot and his comfortability with batting leadoff and going in the middle of the season to batting in the middle of the order. And and then who's going to take over leadoff? Who, who are you going to add that mental challenge of beginning the baseball game to? And, you know, ball players all re- respond to things differently. And so you hope this is something that he can respond to very, very well, and that he doesn't take as a kind of like, man, I'm not, you know, I'm not a right field. I don't know, you know what, what is this? I'm not, I'm an outfielder. If he starts making a couple of defensive mistakes because some balls are hit his way, now he feels like he's costing his team, and now he's trying to make up for it at the plate. You know, we've, uh, I feel like I've seen that with uh, Willine Rosario when they tried to make him a first baseman, when you know, basically because, and that was because he had been so bad behind the plate too. But with basically no training at first, they throw him over there. He starts having a, a, a just a horrible time defensively. And then all of a sudden he can't hit anymore. The one thing that he had been reliably able to do up until that point. So obviously, William Rosario, Fernando Tatis Jr., slightly different caliber of ball player. Different body types, dare I say. Slightly different level of athleticism. He's going to cut down some people's trying to stretch a double into a triple. Like that arm is going to be interesting to see him throwing at some guys yeah. on third base. That'll be exciting. And and tickets for these three games are going to be relatively cheap. I've, I've seen them on sale on Groupon. I think like Tuesday night's game, 17 bucks gets you in the ballpark, $11 on Wednesday, which is, is not bad. So if you're looking to go to a game and, and see Tatis Jr. and the rest of the guys, you can do that. As far as who you're going to see starting those games – that's a little bit up in the air. Right now, the Padres have five, they have an entire rotation on the injured list yeah. right now. You Darvish just went on with uh, lower back uh, tightness. He, he just went on Sunday. Mike Clevenger, who we know is, you probably won't be back till next year anyway. Denilson Lamette, Chris Paddock, and then I guess is your number five starter, rookie Adrian Morejon. So that, I mean, that's a rotation that, is probably on on par with the Rockies, maybe a little bit better, maybe make the case not as much, but 
that's a very good rotation. And really all you have left is, is Blake Snell, Ryan Weathers, uh, potentially should be starting the game on, uh, on Monday. When you're listening to this, we'll, we'll see it. That's kind of how the rotation shakes out. Um, Blake Snell, of course, is still healthy. He should be throwing on Wednesday afternoon against Austin Gomber. So again, you got the two lefties going toe to toe. Mm -hmm. And then Tuesday night's game is a little bit up in the air. You know, Herman Marquez is going to be bringing his A game and hoping to be the second pitcher this season to throw a no-hitter against the Padres. <laughs> and that Tuesday starter is still a little bit up in the air as, as to who they're going to have going. It won't be Joe Musgrove, though. Um, and he needs more rest. He started on on Saturday. But those those are not as good of matchups as we've seen in the past, but that's more due to the Padres not holding up to their end of the bargain. Snell Gomber, that's a that's a good one on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, that should be a that should be so, well, that should be one really good, just fun pitching matchup we know going in, and then some other interesting pitching matchups. Uh, we'll see again with the Rockies uh, have an opportunity here. Now the Padres do still hold on to one of those wild card spots as it stands, but the Reds are just two games back of them, so. You know, it's one of those things where uh, a bad week for the Padres, a good week for the Reds, and suddenly this team that had so much hope of maybe even potentially winning the division might be on the outside looking in, and the Rockies could, if they can continue their success against the Padres, uh, be uh, at least some small part of that. So we'll keep our eyes on all that. And, Patrick, we will toast our Breck brews. As you mentioned, uh, the, the second potential no-hitter coming, Marquez, Got to talk about the first one. So we will toast our Breck Brews on this day. It's Tyler Gilbert. You can get your Breck Brews down at your local King Supers, local uh, liquor store. Get 15 can samplers of the Breck Brew that comes with all kinds of different, you know, you get an IPA in there, get a wheat, get a, a well, they, they, they kind of, they actually change it around. Sometimes the sour is in there. Sometimes it's not. Some uh, Usually the vanilla porter is in there, the strawberry sky, all kinds of stuff. Or if you're going the seltzer route, you get some peach, you get some apple, you get some cherry, it's berry. There's uh, one other one in there that I always forget. Oh, honeydew. That's the one I always forget. And so, so even in the sample, there's samples within the sample because it you mix it up. You never know what you're going to get anytime. That's fun. It's, it's man, got to love what you're getting. It's the tap of, pack. You just yeah. don't know what you're going to get. That's 12 cans, 15. We do 15 here. Get them down at your local King Supers or liquor store. And, of course, you get a bigger one down at the DNVR bar when you're a member of the family. You can subscribe today at the DNVR.com. Get access to all the written content. You get discounts on hats and shirts and all kinds of other stuff. We've got in our merch store. You get to come hang out with us in the Discord channel, chatting baseball 24-7, all the other sports, anything else going on out there in the world. And if you get the annual, we'll hook you up with a free shirt. Also, don't forget that we're still – uh, hooking you up if you want to host your uh, fantasy football draft down at the DNVR bar. We're going to hook you up with a couple of free pitchers of beer. Uh, one of them from our friends at Breck Brew, one of your choice. And uh, yeah, so just hit us up, man. It's a fun time down at the DNVR bar. Email gm at the dnvrbar.com to get that all set up. I was curious yeah. if if the fantasy football league was for the CFL. But then I remembered, of course, they are currently in week two of the oh, CFL League, obviously. So that's how I knew yeah. we're talking the NFL draft. Although I'll, I'll be excited when the XFL draft fantasy leagues 
start coming to the DNVR bar. And that's going to open the door up for all oh, yeah. WWE-themed yeah. fantasy. I'm taking He Hate Me with the number one overall pick. Got to pick Rod Smart. You got to pick him. That's yeah. it. And then we'll have to have, like, the, again, it opens the door to Royal Rumble where you get a number and whoever which guy you get. We got to. That's what you got to hope, you know, wins the whole thing. It's, we got to make that happen. We've got to do a Royal Rumble. This is the start of it all. Yeah. That, absolutely. And, and yeah, we got to get DraftKings involved with our, our Royal Rumble, too, so we, we can get some uh, fun betting going on there. I want to say I, I saw some WWE stuff on DraftKings at one point. It might be one of those, like, free bets, you know, that you can make. I, yeah. I think they've done stuff like that before. I know one year they did do Royal Rumble because I saw basically, like, the day of the odds went heavy. It was the year Randy Orton won. They basically gave it away because the odds took <laughs> it heavily toward Randy yeah. Orton at the end, and he became such a heavy favorite. People were like, is Randy Orton about to win the Royal Rumble? And he did, <laughs> and I was so disappointed. Uh, but always fun to get on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, bet on a few things, baseball, over-unders on strikeouts, home runs. Who's going to score? Well, I guess combined runs of the game is going to be high scoring or low scoring, essentially. And of course, who's going to win or not, though? Good luck with that one. I guess if you take Rockies at home, bet against Rockies on the road, you're doing pretty good so far there. You can download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game promo code DNVR to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Patrick, as we were talking about just before, we were toasting our Breck Brews to Tyler Gilbert. What? A story this is. Guy makes his MLB debut, and not like, you know, some super highly touted prospect on a a first-place team that called him up for the stretch run, expecting him to do big things for the – this is a guy that was called up to the worst team in baseball because they needed someone to pitch. (laughs) And, like, and he comes up, and he no-hits – a team in, in postseason position. Uh, and just, you know, we know that baseball is a, is a truly magical thing. And I'm very fond of the phrase, you can't predict baseball, but even stuff like this reminds you, you still go, no way, no way that just happened. Anytime a no hitter or perfect game is thrown, it's, it's historic. There's history behind it, but there's, Plenty of no-hitters, especially if you go back to the ones, uh, the seven from the earlier part of the year before, sticky substances were enforced. <laughs> this is the first one since then. That some of them is more like, hey, it's the most walks allowed in a no-hitter or most walks allowed by a Cardinals pitcher in a no-hitter. And you're like, you know, you're, you're reaching a little bit. It's, it's history. It's fantastic. Celebrate it. But the, the facts swirling around the no-hitter probably aren't that interesting. Whereas, as you said, in this one, it was probably the least probable, uh, to use a phrase twice, it was yeah. the least probable no-hitter I think anyone could have imagined, certainly at the beginning of the season, at any point in the year, because Tyler Gilbert was ultimately a career relief pitcher 
before you know he came to Arizona. They had scouted him. They actually picked him up in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft. So we know for Rockies fans, you know Jordan Sheffield. You may have forgotten about him, but he was a guy that basically was buried in the Dodgers minor league system. They didn't put him on the 40-man roster to protect him, to make sure that nobody else could have him. And they said, yeah, hey, if you want to take him, you just got to put him on the major league roster for the entirety of the season. And there are guys you know, that have tried that, and they just you know, weren't successful, and they get sent back to the team, whatever it may be. Tyler Gilbert wasn't even major league quality in the Rule 5 draft. He was in the minor league phase. Was, yeah. And so when you just look at that piece alone, you go, there's no way that that's going to happen. Then for it to happen against the team of San Diego's ability level, there, as you said, D-backs awful, Padres in a spot to go to the postseason. There's a 29-win difference <laughs> between those two teams. It was the fifth largest such difference that between the team that threw the no-hitter and was no-hit against yeah. since 1900. So, like, that's really improbable. Oh, what that else? All? Yeah, oh, that's all. Also, the who, do you know who the starting pitcher was in, in the game on Saturday night for the Padres? Wait. Oh, no, I, I actually didn't. Joe Musgrove. Oh, oh. Who, so incidentally, did, did throw right. the first – he threw the first no-hitter in Padres history right. earlier this year. And so now he's been on both ends of a no-hitter. Right, he threw one, and he had one thrown against him. That's only the twelfth time that's ever happened, in and first time season. since Jake Arrieta in twenty fifteen. And th- there, there's a million more. All right, yeah. how about uh, I'll, I'll throw this one in. Give me a few as more. A few. Yeah, I'm not, right, not as, tired as, yet. You're not tired yet. Yeah, because there's there's no way to be be tired with this, right? Nope. So it was his first career start, mm-hmm. and so again, he threw a couple innings in the bullpen. Uh, I think he had three appearances b- before that in, in the week prior. But it was only the fourth time a pitcher had ever made his first career start and threw a no-hitter since 1953. And the names of all three of these guys who did it, oh. again, the the one from 1953, I do know this name. I'm pretty sure he did it with the St. Louis Browns. Great name, but that's the last time I, I would really almost count it because, all right, 50s, we knew what baseball was at the time. All good. Bobo Holloman. Bobo Holloman. Great name. Mm. Uh, in 1892, I mean, come on, they just started throwing overhand at that point. It was, it right. was underhand, not that long prior. Uh, Bumpus Jones. Bumpus. Also great. And then in 1891, the first man to ever do it. By the way, uh, Bumpus and this next guy, they both did it in October, which is weird that they were playing that long. But yeah. Theodore Breitenstein. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. And no, that was not Dr. Seuss's uh, pen name. Uh, oh. So so that was improbable. And then here's probably the best, best fact that I like that probably relates back to Rockies fans who go, eh, why should I necessarily care about this other than, hey, good on this kid and doing it against the Padres, giving them a, a four-game losing streak. Well, Gilbert – actually threw – it was a third no-hitter in team history, so it hadn't happened very much, right? Edwin Jackson did it. Randy Johnson did it. But it was the first one that had come at home, first one at Chase Field by a D-backs pitch, something we know Rockies fans yeah. are waiting with bated breath for their guy to do it. Yeah. Any guy. It could be any guy. Once you do it, it you immediately – you immediately drinks around the house at the DNVR bar. If you throw the first Rockies pitcher to throw a no hitter at home, 
And Tyler Gilbert was able Please. to do that Saturday night for the D-backs. Uh, yeah, that's that's really cool, really special stuff. Like a lot of people, you know, I had a hard time not getting emotional watching the video of his family. Yes. Uh, you know, who was there in attendance and dad just feeling <laughs> all of it. And it was just like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's 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 why we do this thing. And it's a great reminder, too, of why, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people in the Diamondbacks fan community who, like in the Rockies fan community, have checked out. And I know that uh, we, you know, we talked to another Gilbert uh, on this show. We talked to Steve Gilbert, uh, you know, and he said, you know, I think a lot of Diamondbacks fans recognize, you know, a little bit, bit of a rebuild and they like where the, the farm system is at. But a lot of them, you know, have kind of heard that before. And this wasn't supposed to be a rebuild because they just went and spent all that money on Madison Bumgarner. Like this wasn't like you don't you don't sign Madison Bumgarner to that contract at, at this stage of his career if you're expecting to be the worst team in baseball right now. So they're eating it, right? And Diamondbacks fans, if they were just not watching games this year, you could totally understand. Okay, yeah. Check out until they're good again. Let the promise of we're going to be good in the future actually come true, and then we'll come back. But what a reward for the hardcore people who've lived through the bullshit this year, the 24 consecutive losses on the road or what it got higher than that. Didn't it? I, I was, I was, I didn't want to overshoot and exaggerate, but they how awful it got for them on the road, all the injuries they've had just, it's been probably the least fun baseball watching experience in MLB this year to be an Arizona Diamondbacks fan. It just hasn't been fun to watch that team. But if you've watched every game the Diamondbacks have played this year, because you're a fan, because you care, because that's your team, and then that happens, it was all worth it. The whole season was worth it for that moment. But several seasons are worth it. for. That's why we do it. That's why we show up. That's why we do what we do. And and unlike the Rockies, the Diamondbacks don't have a terribly nice – Facility. They don't have a terribly nice ballpark. I mean, ugly ass ball. You're going to <laughs> Chase Field so. basically to get out of the heat. You're like, yeah. <laughs> like it is a warm one. We need to save some money on our AC bills. Uh, there's a haboob coming, blowing through town here. So we right. just got to get out of the heat and then go into the ballpark. Whereas here in Colorado, again, you know, even if the, the Rockies decide they were going to tank, and you're like, well, I, I don't really need now need to pay attention for four more years. You're still going to go to the ballpark because it's Coors Field. Because it's beautiful, you know, because they still, you know, put out a, uh, you know, exciting product at the ballpark. It, it's Coors Field, but yeah, Diamondbacks, they, they just don't have that, unfortunately. And, and it's, it's good for them to have gotten this, especially, again, in one of those seasons where they're not being pests. It's like, okay, cool, good on you. It's kind of like, you know, Padres fans, they're get, they're get, the Padres fans are getting a little pesty. But, you know, in the last <laughs> couple of years, they've had a rough go of it. And you go, all right, hey, good for you. Your team is kind of doing it. You can be, you can find room to be happy for them. You can definitely find the room for D-backs fans after Gilbert's no-hitter. Maybe you can feel a little bit for the Padres, but you're never going to have that feel-good feeling for Giants and Dodgers fans. Like, uh, yeah. there's almost no yeah. circumstance. You go, you know, good for them. It's like, no, I mean, <laughs> it's cool that that happened for your team, but I'm not happy for you in any way. I'm not 
angry, I angry by it. I'm, I don't care, right. but I can't, I can't muster up happiness because you've had it really good for a yeah. while. Dodgers yeah. fans less so, but, but still, I, I mean, no, 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 no. yeah. Uh, but Padres and, and D-backs fans, they they need moments like this. And so, yeah, it, it's good that they were able to get that. It definitely gives certain fan bases hope. And, yeah, we're talking to you. <laughs> You're listening to this. We're talking to you. Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly right. Hey, Patrick, I'll tell you one thing that always gives me hope, and that's whenever I can expect a new order of Hassle Cattle Company to arrive at my door. I am filled with hope. And actually, basically just knowledge at this point that it's going to be a wonderful couple of weeks on the skillet, on the stovetop, making some fantastic Wagyu beef. You really can't do any better if you're a beef eater like I am than getting it from Hassle Cattle Company. Wagyu beef could change your life. Check it out. None of the gross antibiotics, hormones, any of that garbage that they put in the animal gets into your body, poisons the environment. Bad for everybody involved. They don't do any of that stuff. Also, it just tastes better. It's just better for you. It tastes better than any of the crap that you might find at the grocery store. You can get all different kinds, ground beef, ground chuck, hamburgers that won awards on those hamburgers. Surprised they haven't won awards on the ground beef. Maybe they have and they just don't promote that so much because whew, it's all delicious. The steaks, whatever you're looking for, get it all filled up in the, uh, in the, you know, the cart there. At Hassle Cattle Company, H A S E L Cattle Company.com. Use promo code DNBR10. You'll save 10% off your entire order. And if you order over 200 bucks, you will get free shipping. Oh, and we've also still got that um, the, the giveaway going on $200 gift card in a cooler for one lucky winner. To enter, just head to the DNBR Sports Twitter page, click the link on the pinned tweet. It's free. You can win money. Fantastic cooler. You get notified by all their best deals. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the reward really is the beef. I'm, I'm not joking with you, folks. 100% positive ratings. On the coolers are very cool looking. Like they, they've they actually spent a lot of time. There's a somewhat of a unique design to it as well that makes it something like, oh, people will notice you. Like people, people appreciate a good cooler game, and they've, they've right. got a good cooler game. I think even now I saw on the site, buy two, get one free on the Chuck steak, uh, the Ooh. Chuck eye steak. So that's, yes. I mean, they just, they're just throwing right it at you. They're always um, cycling those promos. So, yeah, you got to check back and see if your favorite thing that they have will probably go on sale at some point. And then you hop in, you buy it. Really good stuff. Also really good stuff. Just everything going on over at Ball Aerospace, Ball Corporation, you know, Ball Arena, Ball. You've got cans, you've got jars, you've probably got glass, maybe some growlers. You've got stuff from Ball. But did you know that they are one of the best stewards of our environment and of our people? They're taking care. First of all, 75% of all aluminum that's ever been produced on planet Earth is still in use. And the fact that they're going hardcore into the aluminum business and really trying to make that the product of the future, that's a big element to it as well, despite the fact that they already had all of these extraordinary ratings from environmental groups. Then you get into the fact that they treat everyone that works for them incredibly well. They pay incredibly well, and they make a fun environment to work in. They're hiring right now, just down the road from where we're sitting, right over there in Golden. I point in the right direction. It's very important that I point the right direction. You can check out hashtag work at ball online. You apply for a position at their aluminum can plant, text Golden to 77222. 
or go to jobs.ball.com and search for golden. It's jobs.ball.com and search for golden or simply text golden to 77222. All right, Patrick, let's wrap up by talking about some of our favorite Rockies and Padres. And by that, we mean Rockies and Padres. That is the shared history of these two teams. Uh, you know, it's a, I, I was actually surprised <laughs> the number of, I was like, there's a lot of guys who played for both teams. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's wild. And even in, in the first season of the Rockies, there were a couple guys like Greg Harris, Mark Grant. He was on that, uh, original 1993 team, Mudcat Grant. The, he's one of the announcers for the Padres. Like he had played with the Padres mm-hmm. at the beginning of his career and, Pete made an appearance with the Rockies in 93. So he's one of the, if not the first guy, you'd have to go back and look at the dates, but one of the first guys to actually play with both teams. And you don't often like think about that, like, oh, which guy played with both teams? That's just like a fun little mental exercise to do sometimes. Right. Like whenever Pittsburgh and the Rockies play, you go, all right, this is the Clint Hurdle Cup. Right. right. He managed both teams to much success, you know, took them both to the playoffs. So you go, all right, that's the first person I think of. And I don't necessarily know who the first players I think of that's both. Because you could go a couple ways. You go like, hey, this guy played a majority of his career with one team and then dipped his toe in the other team's water. Or is it someone that was kind of a little balanced on each? You you could go multiple ways on this. Right. Well, and you just reminded me because we were so prepared to talk about players, but then you gave us the Pittsburgh example with Clint Hurdle, and there it is. The the answer to this question is actually the Bud Buddy Black Cup. That's how you're very, very yes. done. Right. Bud Black is the Bud Black fantasy draft of your yeah. favorite or most enjoyable or what have you, rocks yeah. and pods, because there's there's a list. What there is, I think, uh, as far as what I turned up about 86. Or excuse me, 85 different yeah. names. And unless there's a couple more from this year, which there could be, uh, that seems like a lot. The 85 different guys have actually yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. It, it seemed like a lot to me. Now, there are some that are just, yeah, like you said, you know, a couple of randos or whatever. But And then a decent number is like, yeah, you definitely played a lot more for one team. But I was surprised by the total. So, like, maybe the most random would be, a guy by the name of Pete Walker who played three games for the Rockies and one game for the Padres. There you go. Like, yeah, I'm not up on my Pete Walker history. I'm going to say that that has long been a gray area for me. And I know I need to work on that. I know I need to work on my Probably not the greatest Walker in Rockies history. No, definitely not. Bruce Hurst. Hey, Bruce Hurst was another name too from that uh, inaugural season. There you go. Bruce Hurst. Uh, that, that was one I, I remember. There's a lot of fun, random ones. I hadn't read um, Alexi Amaris's name in a while. So I was going to say. That's a good one. I was just trying to think of how many of these guys we could name that played for Bud Black at, on both the Padres and the Rockies. Amaris does one. Mm. Nick Hunley is another one. I'm not sure there's too many others. Yonder Alonzo. That seems correct. Yes. I yes. don't know if Tim Melville was, or rather if Bud Black was there, because Tim Melville did appear in oh, two he, games in 2017. No, of course not. Bud Black was in Colorado. Been, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, not not too oh, many, yeah. but there's there might be a couple more than we think. Alexi Amaris is probably the biggest one, I think. Yeah. Like Yonder Alonso counts too, but Amaristo was like, All right, we've we've got the solution now. Yeah. I'm gonna dig back <laughs> into the archives. And when I was in San Diego, I there was a guy there that made a pretty good impression on me. Yep. Definitely hit Love us it. up on, on social media or in our Discord if you can think of guys who played specifically for both those teams. But yeah, Nick Hundley was a name that I, I think about a lot when I think of Rockies and Padres because yeah. you know he was with Colorado for two years, obviously came up with the Padres and maybe about five, six seasons with them. So he's he features a little bit more prominently than a Vinny Castilla type who we know right. him as. We, we kind of choose to forget his time like in, in Tampa Bay amongst other places, but he did end up you know playing a little bit of time in san diego as well yeah yeah and that's one that like you said i i will have forgotten because even then when you think of Vinny not in a rockies uniform you probably think atlanta first you know and maybe even didn't he play for houston i think he was really bad houston for a year and the nationals for a minute that's right. I remember that. So I have a hard time. I go, oh, yeah. So I close my eyes. I can see him in Rockies uniform very easily. See him in the Atlanta uniform very easily. Seen, I don't remember him in the Padres, but you go, oh, yeah. That was his, basically his final season, 38 years He's old, yeah. signed with them. And then once he was released uh, by the Padres, Rocky said, I want you to finish up the last couple weeks of the season in purple. So they – they did him right by that. So I like that. So so for me, he wouldn't like make that list, right? If you're right. talking about your favorite or most memorable. Because it really was, you know, it was just too too one-sided, I think, in a lot of ways. Right. It's um, kind of why the same way like with Steve Finley. Steve Finley, of course, on the 2007 Rockies roster, you know, it's been a fairly – a large portion of his career with San Diego over 600 games. He's another one of those names, but I don't, even though he didn't play that many less games than Alexi Amarista in, in Colorado and they played a similar amount in, in San Diego. I just, maybe because it's just more recent. I just yeah. think of Alexi Amarista a lot, a lot more than, than Steve Finley. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> maybe because it was more recent, but yeah, it's, it's just, when you're more known and, and when you're, I think when you're a bit player, you might fit more easily onto multiple teams than when you were right. sort of more of a, I don't know. Was Steve Finley a star player? He was maybe that next level down, but you know, more of a guy you really associate with who's on that team where Alexia Amarista was always a ball player. <laughs> Can't forget about Matt Kemp. He was of course there for, I think for a minute for the in the Bud Black era as it was winding down in San Diego and you would have yep played you a couple of games obviously in 2020 with the Rockies. Yeah. Uh, uh, as far as pitchers, there's there's not as many notable pitchers. I mean, Andy Ashby was a guy that I liked a lot in the 90s. Yeah, was, same. Was pretty good, and his his time with Colorado was very short. I, I think yeah. they took him in the expansion draft. They got him from Philadelphia. I'd, I'd seen him in, in Philadelphia. And I was like, oh, a young prospect and got taken by Colorado. Didn't really work out. And then kind of had this second career, uh, or really his first career. That's when he got got himself started with San Diego and uh, did pretty well out there. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I, I like you, Andy Ashby was one of those guys that I really liked uh, in the 90s. You reminded me there of Alan Embry, another one of those guys who, you know, just kind of pitched in a few games. The Rockies sort of went through that where they were getting um, the NL West pitchers right after they had just been in the <laughs> Bring them on over. Like, you got a close-up look on that guy. Uh, there, there was one other one I was trying to see if I could uh, find it on here, but um, I did remember more in the the Vinny Castilla category. I did remember Eric Young Senior playing for the Padres. That was one I remember. Even okay, though was- I did not remember that. I did yeah. not. Um, because it wasn't for very long, but I think he also might have coached for them for a little while. So that may be why I've got a fresher. He's been around memory. a block. Yeah, he's coached for everybody. Right? That's, so that's can, what happens, yeah. Again, it's the visual of seeing him in the uniform, so maybe I'm seeing him as a as a coach. But I also did I did feel like I remembered him uh, and some of the places that he hopped around and, and not being great, but still, you know, swiping a couple of bags, doing the Eric Young thing and as long as he could. <laughs> All right, if you want to talk about being balanced, as far as not playing too much with one team versus another. And again, yeah. it's also about memorable moments too, where uh, I haven't actually looked it up, but I, I'm, I feel pretty confident that Matt holiday was more valuable and had a better uh, career with St. Louis than Colorado. But I think a lot of people will probably think of him because of the big moment uh, game 163, when he, very definitively touched home plate, as we very all know. Um, but uh, Trent Hubbard, also Trinidad Hubbard, yeah. 87 games with the Rockies, 89 with the Padres. But the man with the most games in both places equally, former All-Star, Jason Marquis. 36 games uh, with Colorado, 36 games with San Diego. And important games for Colorado. It was good. Very much so. Two thousand nine, yeah. Yeah, gotta love Jason Marquis. That's a that's a good one. In the sad department, there's Drew Pomeranz. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In the yeah, he was supposed to be a thing for us, and ended up actually being a thing for them department. That yes, that uh, did not work out quite as well. No, it did not. Pedro Stasio. Again, if you're talking about starting pitchers with with both teams, obviously much more with Colorado. Only spent a season with San Diego. Glendon Rush is another one. Sean Estes, more so with Colorado than San Diego. Kip Wells, there's a name to throw out at you. Remember Kip Wells very briefly. Uh, Yeah, the uh, I, I like yeah some of the relief pitchers too. Remember Christian Friedrich, he went to San Diego immediately after leaving Colorado, and he never really found it in either spot. He was one of those guys who was decent prospect for the Rockies and just never panned out. Um, Saber superstar Steve Reed. He yeah. had a brief stint, brief stint with San Diego, so he's got to be on our list, of course. Pat Neshek. Early on in his career, spent some time with San Diego. He's got to be on there. Got to love Pat Neshek. Uh, 
some of the other uh, kind of rando ones, just names you love going, oh, yeah, I remember Terry Shumpert. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jolie Chassin, with his interesting, very interesting history of actually having been pretty good for a lot longer than I think people realize. But, uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, didn't get a ton of games with uh, the Padres. I think that was right when he really started to dovetail as a a starter. I think Milwaukee had basically gotten the last good juice out of him. Or am I remembering that backwards? Did he rebound by going to Milwaukee from San Diego? I think I was getting that backwards. I'm pretty sure – he rebounded in Milwaukee after a bad stint with the Padres and then kind of flamed out for a little while before landing back in Colorado and reinventing himself as a late-inning reliever, apparently. I don't know. We're going to find out what happens next for Jolie Chassin. It's been one of the more odd careers I've ever sort of been able to watch from beginning to end. And so, and he could still be around for like five more years. Right. Like that's... Well, or he could retire in the off season. I have no idea. Maybe. <laughs> right? Maybe. Yeah. One, one of the other uh, names that is very lopsided that you might not remember. And one of the trends that uh, I think we probably both noticed when looking at the list is a lot of guys in the, uh, I don't know, just in the two thousands, we'll, we'll just leave it at that kind of finished up their career in San Diego because they were bottom of the barrel kind of franchise. And it was like, Hey, there's an opening here in San Diego. I might as well give it a shot. Best place to live. (laughs) Yeah. So you look and you go, Oh yeah, Brad Hop. That's right. You did kind of wrap things up there. And Oh yeah. Clint Barmas, you did kind of wrap up things there. And Oh yeah. Seth Smith kind of wrapped up some things there. And you know, a lot of common trends, Jeff Cirillo, even, uh, you could you could put on that list as yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, Houston Street was a big one that we got to make sure to mention. He he played in a, a solid number of games for was very good in both places. Both, both yeah yeah he was really yeah but one of the few players we've talked about today where I think both franchises go oh yeah we like that guy <laughs> yeah yeah he he's he's undervalued in that in that balance when, when talking about equal Rockies and, and, and equal Padres guys. And, you know, if we don't call it the blood, Bud Black series or the Blood Black series, no, the blood Black series. Um, we could also call it the Luther Hackman series. As everyone remembers, those five games from Luther Hackman in 1999 and those 63 games in 2003 with the San Diego Padres. So Luther Hackman, tip of the cap to you today. That is a phenomenal name, especially if you've got a superhero alter ego, Luther Hackman. Fantastic. So, uh, all right. Well, let us know what, if we missed any that you really like. Hey, <laughs> you guys totally forgot to talk about Seth Smith. Yeah. Jim Tatum. Where's the Jim Tatum conversation? Jordan Lyles. Your Victoria Alba. <laughs> let us know. Who your favorite Rocky slash Padre of all time is. You can hit us up on social media at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Priestman, at DNVR underscore Rockies. If you're subscribed to the DNVR.com, you go right into the Discord channel as soon as you've listened to this. You can hop in there, say, 
Here's my favorite Rocky slash Padre of all time. And let us know right there in the Discord channel. Football season getting ready to go. Hop in there. Weigh in on Teddy Bridgewater versus Drew Locke. Basketball and hockey season's just around the corner. Hop in on all of that stuff. Subscribe today. Really appreciate it. And you get that free shirt if you get the annual, all the other stuff we talked about before. Thanks for listening into this one. We're going to be watching throughout the rest of this homestand, seeing if the Rockies can continue to be one of the best home teams in baseball through the end of the season. Going to be a fascinating watch. We appreciate you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome baseball fans out there. We promise to continue being absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. Until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.